What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. <laughs> well, you know, it, it all goes it all goes hand in hand. So uh, beehives, honey, flow, nectar flow, flow notes, show notes. It works. <laughs> Whatever you want to make of it, Ken. <laughs> my summer honey's, my, my spring honey's prettier than your spring honey. I don't know about that. You saw that jar that I gave well, everybody yeah, but you. you only, yeah, but you only got that out of one hive, one little place. Right. And how many hives do I have? Well, you got more hives than I got. But. Right. So so you, you really want to wager that? <laughs> no, not yet. But wait, wait. We gotta gotta get me more hash. Yeah, yeah. We're working on it. Yeah. I mean, you've got you already you've got a good start, I and got, you've still got more in the works. So I got the I've got the bee fodder. Well, do you? Or is we've it going got away? the bee fodder. Oh, it's going away now. Yeah. But now the mesquite's coming on strong. I mean, they're covered in mesquite uh, flowers. That's good. I'm and hoping it'll be interesting to see what that does. White brush. It's Really coming on, and the horse mat is still blooming. Is but it still purple? It, yes, the purple's blooming wow. right now. Yeah, it's coming on pretty strong right yeah, now. Yeah, you're cheating. So we got, we got, <laughs> we got. Well, we had the spotted horse mat right first. The weird green leaf, green and yeah. white leafed one. And then we have the the purple the horse the purple horse mint coming on now along with the mesquite and the bee and the white brush. I'm not gonna get much. I'm gonna get some out of my Top bars, oh, you're going to probably chew me out. I haven't checked my top bars. It's been a little, barely over a week, but Max has been fishing all the time. So he wants, he's got, you know, that's funny. My son, who never liked anything that stung, now he's having a blast getting out there. In fact, the other day he says, Dad, Dad, the queen's flying out. I says, no, she's not. <laughs> the queen would have a pile of bees behind her if the queen was flying out. Well, it was a big bee, and I'm sitting there. It was a drone, one of the top bars we had opened up. Yeah. And it's not any – oh, this ain't on any of the notes, by the way. You know that. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, I said, that was a drone that left. And Okay. And then he – yeah, you're right. I says, well, why am I right? Oh, I looked it up online. <laughs> I says, oh, so your dad might have lied to you, but the online wouldn't. Oh, God, if it's on YouTube, it must be right, Dad. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> YouTube's the devil, by the way. Stop looking things up on YouTube. For every one thing out there that is legitimate and good, there's like 50 that are just complete BS. Um. <laughs> one of them was, uh, you know, you said on the top bars, Ken, don't use the B broom. Now I got to thinking about it. You're right, because on a top bar, if you swipe the bees, especially on the comb, it gets it covered in honey, and it turns into a bee swatter then. Yeah, and that's true for if you do top bar or Langstroth, either one. If you're going through and you're using that brush, and there's just a little bit of open nectar, or you tear open a honey cell, it gets on those bristles, and then you start basically painting all the bees and the honey. They start sticking to the brush. It rolls them. It's not a good thing. They mm-hmm. The only time we ever use the bee brush is when we're actually doing the honey harvest. Mm-hmm. We'll take out the frames, and we'll brush the bees off. Um, usually, I try to knock the bees off or shake them off, and then we'll brush off the last couple and then switch them over. Sometimes you can use them on the edges of the box, but also what I found is if you go through and you brush off the edges of the box to set the next box on top— 
you make them all mad, so they all come running back up and, like, cover that area. So it's kind of tricky. Um, you uh, you mentioned about the drone flying out. So the reason mm-hmm. that that happens and you're seeing that come out the top more than anything mm-hmm. is because we have those top bars with the entrance disc set to right. queen exclude. Right. Which means the drones can't get out either, and there's mm-hmm. not very many drones in there because the the nukes don't tend to raise a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we go through and we put that in there, though, now those drones can't get out, and so when you open it to do an inspection, that's the first time that they see like an opportunity to leave, and so there'll be this mass exodus where they're all screaming freedom mm-hmm. and they're taking off out of the hive. And little do they know, as soon as you close that hive back up, well now instead of being trapped inside, now they're trapped outside. <laughs> they'll come back and they can't get in the entrance from right. the other side. So. I saw one the other day that was was the saddest sight. He had his head shoved up inside that queen excluder, and he was sitting there letting the other bees feed him, but he couldn't get in. Wow. (laughs) So he was at the front door going, I'm hungry. (laughs) Will somebody put me some sugar water out? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was was pretty entertaining. (laughs) Um, So we haven't done this for a little while, so I was going to go back and just kind of take a look here at some of our stats and uh go back and just kind of you know do a quick little recap we do it every once in a while just to see what's going on Mm -hmm. so right now we are nearing twenty thousand total listens for the life of the show twenty thousand twenty thousand we're almost there we're so close yeah um basically by the amount of listens that we get every episode Mm -hmm. uh by the time everybody's done listening to this episode at the end of the week Mm -hmm. we will be there like it'll it'll be at that twenty thousand mark so that's awesome um, last week we got, let's see, 1,170 listens for last week. And that's really kind of entertaining. And also I, I have to, we have to make us some apologies there. Really, I have to make some apologies. Ken didn't do anything. Um, he didn't do anything bad, but that was also our shortest episode. And boy, did we ever get flack that for that. Cheeto? <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, it's like, a it's a great yeah, talk more than that. It's a great, it, it's like kind of like a, it's not even a backhanded compliment. It's a great compliment because instead of them complaining about, you know, other things, they're saying, Hey, seriously guys, like only 10 minutes, come on. You know, we had one gentleman <laughs> that was like, Oh, this is perfect. Just in time for my, my car ride, you know, my four hour car ride. And I was like, Oh yeah, sorry. It's also the shortest episode ever. We had another lady that was literally commented online and said, uh, you know, she was like, oh, I'm always so happy when these things come out. And then I pulled it up and I saw that it was just 10 minutes. And then she's like, boo, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with the rest of my workday? Um, so that actually, I got a kick out of that. And I do apologize. The reason that that episode was so short was because um, I completely biffed the uh, interview that we were supposed to do at the Texas Beekeepers Summer Clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for those of you uh, younger folks, biffed is a reference to Back to the Future. Um, it's a term to say screwed up in a nice mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. <laughs> or effed up, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we actually have an interview in the works with Keith Delaplane, Dr. Keith Delaplane, and Keith was there. I got to see him when we went to Georgia to go up and, and do their bee clinic and their master beekeeper program. And then he was our keynote speaker for the summer clinic here in Texas. And I had a, an hour slot where like he and I both, I didn't, I got to listen to his keynote. And then I did not get to listen to anything else that he did the rest of that day because every time he did a presentation, I was also teaching a presentation, which was totally unfair. Um, But I did have an hour slot set aside for Keith and I to sit down and go through and have an interview for the Hive Jive. And we had some serious technical difficulties. The microphone did not want to cooperate. And so 
Keith graciously agreed to uh, do an interview with us via the phone. So we're working on getting that set up schedule-wise. So there is still an interview with Keith coming, but that was supposed to be last week's episode. Yep. And since how that didn't happen, last week's episode turned into a two-solid listener question and answer, and that was it. (laughs) So it was only 10 minutes long. Um, But hey, we said we would try to get something out every week, and 10 minutes was better than none at all. (laughs) And I'm sticking to that. Yeah. I've been up since one. I was going to say, Ken's been up <laughs> since really, really early. The, these uh, these Saturdays and Sundays just kick his rear because he has to get up so early to drive into the station. Yep. Um, so we're going to detour for a second because I'm going to go back here and, and we'll do our, our little quick update. So we told you how many listeners we or listens we totally had so far. Almost 20,000. Um, almost 20,000. And the last episode, again, was just shy of 1,200 listens for that last episode. So that right now, that's, that was the 10-minute one. Yeah, yeah. So this one's, this one's definitely not a 10-minute episode. So see what happens, guys. <laughs> oh, we, we go to Radley. Um, all right. United States is still in the lead for okay. our top 10 countries, followed by Australia, Canada, the United Kingdom, Germany, Ireland, Ireland, I think that one, I don't remember that one being on there as high anyway. Um, Norway, Belgium, Denmark, and New Zealand. New Zealand, you guys are slacking. You, you've dropped to the 10th position. Good gosh. <laughs> this is for the life of the show, by the way. So sometimes I do this by week, but this is for the life of the show. Um, now, city-wise in the United States, um, Texas is obviously dominating it, but that makes sense because we're based oh, yeah. in Austin. So yeah. Austin, Texas is still taking the lead, number one spot for the life of the show. There you go followed by Houston, Round Rock, Dallas, and Elgin. Those are all cities in Texas, which means San Antonio, y'all need to step it up. <laughs> You're getting getting your rears kicked by everybody else. Yep. Um, outside of Texas, we've got Washington, D.C., San Jose, California, Charlotte, North Carolina, Chicago, Illinois, and Portland, Oregon. So it's uh, it's always fun to go through and look at the stats and see what's going on. Um, outside of that, uh, I would like to give a shout out to the attendees who did come to the summer clinic. Uh, I was very flattered. Um, <laughs> after each of the presentations, I would have somebody come up to me and, and tell me that they listen to the show. They like the show. Um, you know, thank us for all the information that we do and all the stuff that we've done for them. And you know, that they think they get a good, uh, laugh out of a lot of the episodes. So that was really flattering. It was really cool. Um, definitely a first <laughs> I've never, never been in a presentation and had that happen. However, um, our social media people were (laughs) kind enough to point out one of the ladies, and I may absolutely butcher this name, but her Instagram name is Sewin Cupcakes or Sewin Cupcakes. Sewin Cupcakes. She was sneaking pictures apparently during one of the presentations of me up front doing the presentation, and it's towards the end of it, and I I do a little... Mm -hmm kind of promo blurb for the hive jive at the mm-hmm. end of the presentation. So it's got that in the background, but I mean, she couldn't have caught me at a more candid moment. <laughs> I'm in, I don't, I'm pointing at the laptop for some reason. Mm-hmm. My mouth is open in like mid sentence. And I mean, I'm beat. I had to get up super early and then drive three hours to get to that thing. And so you could tell, like, I'm tired. I needed vacation. And, uh, but it was funny. Cause I'm like, if I had to put a sound effect to it, it's kind of like I'm pointing at the computer and I'm like, <laughs> like it's just so bad. But yeah, she, uh, he's not he's not retarded, guys. <laughs> Mentally disabled. Yeah, could be questionable yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> um, sleep depri- sleep deprivation can do that. Oh yes, it but, does to it. Yeah, but it was it was really uh, so one. It's flattering. Two, it was hysterical. To, to go through and see that picture. And she put on there, you know, like, oh, my God, I had a fangirl moment when I saw him standing up here. So 
Um, that is, that's really cool. So thank you everybody who came out to the summer clinic and was able to participate and get the knowledge. I would advocate any state that does any type of beekeeping seminars or classes. If you guys have the opportunity to go to one of those major things, do it because you know, we, we pulled in Keith Delaplane, who is literally world-renowned, one of the leading experts in honeybees and research and biology. And that that is one of the times that you're going to have this very rare opportunity to see some of these people and learn some of this information. So if you have the opportunity to do it, absolutely do so. It is definitely worth it. Um, moving outside of those things... Okay, well, who's Summer Dearth? Well, well Summer Dearth is... Um, that's kind of what we were talking about, and that's what I <laughs> see, like I said at the beginning of the show. I don't know why you're reading the show notes. You're going to jump over them. <laughs> Summer Dearth is what the, uh, the main part of this episode is going to be today. We're going to talk about things, like you mentioned in the beginning, how your flowers are dying out. So dearth, yep. a dearth is when there is no food, no forage, so you're going through a dry spell or a drought, but it's a drought related to food sources. And that happens here in Texas anyway, that happens in July and August. And then it happens again in half of November, all of December, all of January and part of February, sort of. There's some little weird nuances to that as well. But there's other places around the world where their dearths are different. Some our dearth is because of wintertime and cold right. or extreme heat and no rain. So that's our summer dearth, extreme mm -hmm. heat, no rain. Winter dearth is just cold. Mm -hmm. There's some countries that it's all, you know, they don't have the winter and the summer. They mm -hmm. have rainy and dry. So there's raining too much. So there's no food or mm -hmm. it's too dry, not raining enough and there's no food. But that's when your dearth happens. And so the summer dearth, you really want to go through and you want to be aware of what's going on in your surroundings, be aware of what's actually growing and know when your nectar flow is actually happening. So by you coming in and telling me these are the flowers that we still have blooming mm -hmm. and knowing that they're actually just coming into bloom as opposed to fading out because like that purple horseman, it starts off beautiful purple. Oh, yeah. And then it fades to a lighter purple, bluish, then right. white and then brown and it's dead and done. Uh we have a lot still out there. Now, it has been blooming for since first of the month, but we still have it blooming. Yeah, and I see patches along the roadsides where it's all dead, and then you'll see one yeah. little clump of new yeah. new yeah, purple will. that's come up. Now, the the spotted, it's still going pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, but I got a feeling it's going out pretty quick because uh, we're supposed to get some more rain, but anyway... Uh, mesquite is really thick. Yeah. My mesquite down south is finally starting to bloom, which I'm really happy about. So th this kind of ties into a couple of different things here. And there's been a lot of this that I've seen online. And some of it makes me scratch my head. Some of it makes me think that people are getting overly anxious. And, and some of it just could be the area. I mean, it, like, I don't know the exact specifics of why they're doing it. But there's been a lot of people. People started harvesting around here in May. And I'm really? like, what, what are you doing? Well, they're getting the spring honey. They're getting the, the early stuff off. Well, but to truly harvest your honey, it all needs to be 90% or more solid capped, which mm -hmm. means that if it's not, the moisture content's going to be too high. And we went through, I when we do the removals, we come mm -hmm. across all kinds of stuff in there. So I actually went through and tested some capped honey out of one of the removals we did. And its moisture content, even though it was capped, was still at 22%. Oh, okay. And it needs to be 18% or less 
if you're going to harvest it and actually make it be stable and storable. Okay. Otherwise, it'll ferment. So, And then it turns into? Well, it turns into a very nasty form of mead. Oh, um, I mean, yeah, nasty when, mead. When you let it do it on its own, it's not a fun thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you purposely do that process, then you okay. get some, some nice drinkable mead <laughs> so so you have nasty mead yeah you, it's, it's like the difference between a good mead. drink and a medicinal okay. drink okay. you know how medicinal is always <laughs> yeah so so you can use it as a cough syrup you could yeah because you ain't gonna cough if it's nasty or you might cough because yeah. it's nasty <laughs> but anyway uh, <laughs> so you go through and and i start seeing these people that are actually harvesting their honey and I'm like, well, what are you guys doing and they they harvested in may they harvest in june some people would actually say I did my first harvest of 2019. So that would lead me to believe, okay, I've got three boxes that they're working on for supers and one box was capped. So I went ahead and took that box off and extracted it, but I left the other two boxes on there. And if that's the case, then that's fine. That's perfectly okay. For me though, on the other hand, uh, harvesting honey, one, it's fun, Mm -hmm. but it is a huge mess and cleaning up that mess is a huge pain in the rear. Mm-hmm. And I would rather make one big mess and clean up that mess one time than mm-hmm. harvest like five hives today and then three weeks later harvest five more. And because and, I could do that all year if I broke it down like that. So, so and then also you could, you're doing five hives, but you're only doing one super, right? Well, it would depend on the hive. So I told you about my one that that, that yeah. my biggest, strongest colony, yeah. it's got six honey supers above its deep and Really? Deep. Yeah. And it's rocking and rolling. It's working on drawing out and filling out that last box on the top. So for me, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at things and I'm looking at nature and looking at the flow. And our mesquite is coming into bloom. And mesquite can be a very heavy flow when it happens. So I'm not pulling my honey supers yet. Also, mm-hmm. we've had a lot of rain and a lot of humidity and a lot of moisture in the air. Mm-hmm. So that moisture content in the honey is still higher. The bees need longer to work it down. If you're a commercial operation, they'll pull sometimes uncapped honey but they put them into these massive rooms that are designed to be a massive dehydrator and it blows hot, dry air down on them and then it pulls the moist air in, dehumidifies it, takes the moisture out and then pumps it back down and keeps doing that until it's dehydrated that honey down to a consistency that's stable. Uh, I would rather nature do that. Yeah. So we go through and we wait and we do our honey harvest. Um, once you've done your honey harvest, now here's the thing that kind of plays back in a little bit. We had some questions and stuff online about how do I store comb? One is how do I get extra comb? Well, getting the extra comb is when you do your honey harvest, Mm -hmm. now you have comb available. The other question that went along with that was how do I store my comb? And once you've harvested your honey out, you're going to have the wet cells and the comb basically still has residue in it. We take that, we put it back on the hive, we let the bees clean that back out, but you don't leave it there very long. You just like put it on there for a day and then take it off shake all the bees back out of it again. We take that comb and we freeze it mm-hmm. for a minimum of two days. Now, if I have a huge deep freeze dedicated to this, so I can stick entire boxes in there if I wanted mm-hmm. to. But if you don't, take out three frames, put them in your freezer, freeze them for two days, switch them out, do three more. And the reason for freezing them is you're killing any potential eggs or larvae of wax moth that's on that frame. And you want to do that because if you don't, you're going to put it into storage. Those larvae are going to hatch out. They're going to eat all of your wax. And when you come back to take your stored comb out, it's gone. So once you've frozen it, there's special containers that you can buy. They're pretty expensive. You could Mm -hmm. also just get some airtight kind of Tupperware containers. It doesn't actually even have to be airtight. It just needs to be moth tight. They can't get in there. And you can store those, store them in a place where it's not going to be in direct sunlight or super hot. 
and it'll keep your wax from melting, keep humidity out of it so it doesn't grow mold on there, and you'll have that comb then ready for next year. Some people put them back in their boxes and then wrap the box in like a, a plastic bag, bag yeah, yeah, and, and tie that work. shut. That's what I was um, That's last year what we did. We had a lot more last year, so we actually used a big empty horse barn, and we had them all in the center of the horse barn. So it was still the ambient temperature of outside, but it's in the shade and there's breeze coming through there, and it worked just fine. They survived just fine that way. The comb survived anyway. It didn't melt. Um, but yeah, you store that comb, you, so you preserve it. There are chemicals you can use to keep wax moths out of there, but I prefer to be completely chemical-free if I can, mm -hmm. and I don't want to use anything that is actually truly a toxin or a poison, so mm -hmm. we don't do that one. Um, but yeah, you can go through, you can store the comb, and then next year, that's where you get your boost, because now they don't have to draw out that box. You put the box on it already drawn out, they just got to fill it up. And that's where the honey harvest really starts getting bigger and starts happening quicker. So you go through, you do your honey harvest. For us in Central Texas, we're coming up for me, not the people that have already been doing mm -hmm. it. We do our honey harvest after July 4th. July 4th is the start looking. Some people take that as a literal go do your honey harvest right now. And they will literally do it on the 4th or 5th or 6th. What I do is I go out and I look and I take my tester and I test the honey and I see where the moisture content's at. And if it's not ready, or if I'm looking at a hive and three quarters of it's still uncapped, I'm not harvesting. If they're still pulling in a ton of nectar, I'm not harvesting. I'm going to wait. And that means I may do mine July 15th. I may do it August 1st. It really depends on what's going on. But once you've harvested that honey, now, if you did it correctly, you're going to leave amount of food that you need to for the bees. Meaning if it's a Langstroth, one medium of food needs to be left on top of your deep box here in central Texas. Mm -hmm. If you're in some of the northern states or if you're somewhere where they may not have a, like a – we had one of our listeners on Instagram. Um, she's up in Pennsylvania, and she said they don't really have a fall flow so in those states, you might want to do double deeps instead of the right. deep and the medium, mm -hmm. and you're going to leave a solid deep box of hopefully all the way capped food for those bees. If you're in your top bar, it's still a 50-50. You want one bar of brood and bees to one bar of capped food stores, right? So you harvest the honey, but you leave enough for them. Then you go through and you watch, and if they did not already have enough food, you shouldn't have harvested to begin with. But then you start feeding. And during that summer dearth, you actually might want to feed pollen substitute or real pollen if you've got it. And you want to feed the sugar syrup because you want the bees to stay strong during the summer dearth because you need a strong, healthy colony that's going to raise strong winter bees to survive the winter dearth. So prepping for winter actually starts right after your honey harvest. You want to make sure they're they're robust and they're strong. So start feeding them that honey. Start or no, well, if you have honey to spare, you can feed them honey. Only feed them your honey though. Don't feed them honey from other places. You can transmit diseases. That's bad. Um, but start feeding them the sugar syrup. Start feeding them the. I I like the dry powder pollen. You put it out and they will actually come and they can forage from that if they need it. If mm -hmm. they don't need it, they will ignore it. I like that better than the pollen patties because the pollen patties, if you put them in there and they don't utilize them it becomes a breeding ground for hive beetles, and then that just turns into a mess. So, uh, But yeah, it's a great time to go through and to start actually feeding the bees. Now, for us, we are lucky. We have a fall flow. That fall flow usually starts in mid-September and can go through mid-November, and usually it is enough that they can actually store up enough food to make it through the winter. But if you're in a place that doesn't, you're relying on that main spring flow to provide your honey for the rest of the year. 
And that's kind of where that balancing act comes in. Don't be greedy and take too much. If it's a year where uh, last year or the year before, I think it was, it might've been the year before, we didn't have a very good honey harvest. So out of all of the hives, we only had a total of 400 pounds of honey. That's for me, that's not a lot. Mm -hmm. And that was because every other hive I went to, they didn't have enough food to begin with. So instead of harvesting the honey, I was taking honey from hives that had excess mm -hmm. and giving it to the hives that didn't have enough. I would switch my frames around and give them frames of honey. And so I ended up distributing most of the surplus to the other hives that needed it instead of harvesting it. So you just, you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. Ken, what is that bottom one down there? What is that? What's that say? Said you signed a girl's chest. Oh, no, it does the, not. Are you that big? Put your glasses on. You signed a girl's chest? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, let me put my glasses If on. you said you signed, it's like, boobies. Those are yeah. Halloween bees. Yeah. Boo. Oh, there it is. Okay, bears. 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 No, bears. it wasn't boobies. God. <laughs> bears. Okay, bears. Yeah. Uh, we used to use those on cattle. Yep, so... We don't have, pee on one. We've had a couple of different... <laughs> don't pee on one. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay, I'll quit. And also, if you ever want to check and see if the electric fence is live... It works. Use the back of your hand, not the palm of your hand, because it's still going to shock you and hurt you. Don't touch it with your tongue. If you... <laughs> All right. Well, that actually leads in perfectly. So we had several listeners that actually live in states where they have bears and they have bear issues, and they wanted to know, what can you do to help keep bears out? And one of them specifically asked, like, what kind of electric fence can you use? So I reached out to my friend, uh, Murray Hannigan, who is the owner of Hannigan Honey in Canada. Mm -hmm. And Murray... When I was out there visiting with them, actually, we went out and did a consultation trip. Three seventy five H and H. Well, they 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 have <laughs> they, they have this brilliant setup. So he's got electric fences around mm -hmm. each of his individual hive spots, and he keeps about forty hives on each plot of land, and they're about two miles apart. He's got five thousand of them, so you know one or two. But I saw the electric fence, and I saw the solar panel, and I was asking him questions about it, and then I kept seeing sardine cans all the way around like there'd be one in the center of each side of the fence and i was like murray what the hell is that they go rattle sardine can no. they're smelling them and then the beat no yeah sort of but it, it's they, oh it, it shocks them it's a lure the, um, yes the, yes okay. so he's purposely luring the bear yeah. in but it's luring it into the fence instead of the bee and yeah. with the bee come or the the bear comes up to the fence and he sees this sardine can and it's literally cracked open smell. with sardines in it. Yeah. And so he bites it trying to get the sardines and that fence sends a four thousand volt shock through his mouth and tongue. Mm -hmm. He runs away. So mm -hmm. it's actually it's the same concept as the bee. You got to make the sting count, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're a bear with a thick hide, he could literally tear through that fence if he oh, wanted yeah. to. But if he bites the can and the can's connected to the live wire, mm -hmm. he's getting that full shock in his mouth. Now, it's mm -hmm. not going to permanently hurt him, but he will think twice. And Murray said it's really interesting because it, he's literally trained the bears in the area. He will see the bears and the bear will see that can and they will turn and walk away <laughs> because they're like, oh, hell no. I've done that before. That wasn't fun. <laughs> but now Sasquatch... He wants the honey. I mean, you know, that's a whole other story. <laughs> I'm, he he might just step over the fence, right? I guess probably would. Yeah, yes. he wouldn't. He wouldn't okay. care. That'd be one of those. My hive's gone, and mm -hmm. I don't know how. Um, so the, what he specifically uses is the 
Parmark brand. It's a six volt solar electric yeah, fence. That's, yeah, that's um, and like I said, it. they can they can put out four thousand volts of shock, and mm -hmm. you can put that around. You can use it for cattle. You can use it for bears. Um, it's going to help keep larger animals that could be destructive to your hives out of that area. And it's not so powerful that it's going to kill them, but it will definitely leave a lasting impression on that was bad. Don't do that. So that's one of the ways that you can actually set up a perimeter solar powered. So therefore you don't have to necessarily be out there mm -hmm. plugged in and anything like that. Um, but there you go. That's how you can keep bears away. Now I've got a question for our listeners down South. On the bottom side of the earth. How do y'all keep, how do keep kangaroos <laughs> same way? <laughs> well, the do the kangaroos go up and kick half? I don't know that the kangaroos have any interest in bees or honey. So probably not. Well, um, I don't know. I ain't never seen a kangaroo, but I want to And also, out. they can jump. So who's to say they wouldn't just jump over your electric fence? Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> Land in a beehive and get the hell stung out of them. Yeah, that, that, that. Yeah. yeah. What's the baby in the pouch? A Joey. Joey. Mm -hmm. I know Joey. <laughs> I thought you said you didn't know a kangaroo. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I wonder if kangaroos get into them. I don't I think they, they do. Would. You don't think so? No. It's like cows, cows don't have any interest in the beehive no, itself. No, The cow use, sees it as they a scratching post. And so they lean into it and rub on it, and they'll knock it over, and that's really the problem. Not so mm -hmm. much that the cow had any interest in it whatsoever beyond that. You know where I got my bees, my neighbors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, Ken, I'm scared to death that when you put those bees out that the cattle are going to get into them. I says, yeah, what, what's going on? He says, they won't get close to them. I says, that's because they have found them bees, and they probably stung them, and they figured out the smell. I said that was probably because, of, like you said, a bee is going to go to a face. Yep. Nose, ears, mm -hmm. eyes, mouth. Yep. And so. that smarts. They get up yeah. inside that nostril, man. It's you not know. like the tip of your nose. They go in the nostril. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you go down south, on, on further south, down in south Texas, uh, and there is some, you know, there's a lot of cattle down there, but there's a lot of bees. There used to be a lot of bees. There's still a lot of bees down there, but... And the cattle don't they they don't put nothing around them in Lano County they don't and I asked the old, one of the old beekeepers he says yeah cow will do it one time yeah but the downside is that one time that yeah. hive could be kaput oh, yeah. especially depending on the time of year if it was in the middle of the winter and they rubbed up on that and knocked it over that mm -hmm. colony's dead it's yeah. letting all the heat out they can't keep that winter cluster secure they're gonna freeze and die out so. Uh, Pamela had the same thing. She went through and did a lot of research on her. She's got one of her apiaries where we talked about that big, uh, the Brahma mm -hmm. Angus Brangus, the Brangus yeah. mix. Yeah. And she was afraid of the bull and everything mm -hmm. out there. Well, that area, you know, she had 50-50. Some people would tell her, oh, you absolutely have to put some sort of cattle fencing nah. around it. And then the other people would say, no, 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 you don't. But she put it up anyway, which was fine. And it scratches on the fence. Well, it stayed most of the year perfectly untouched. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, there was a couple of months right there in the fall and winter mm -hmm. where that thing was leaning completely over. They had literally <laughs> pushed into it. Mm -hmm. Had it not been there, that would have been the hives that they were pushing into. They would have still been rubbing on something. Because yeah. so, there wasn't nothing stinging them with that rubbing on the fence. That's true. And it keeps your hive safe. So yeah. better safe than sorry. She got rid of all her pigs? I don't think so yet. Okay. They've done three or four actual trappings, mm -hmm. and uh, I've seen a couple of the videos where they've trapped. Oh, that one had eight or nine in it, like 
three or four huge, mm-hmm. huge hogs in there, and then a bunch of smaller ones. But I asked her, I was like, do you guys, you still having the thing, you know, have the trap out there and stuff? And she's like, yep, and we still have, the call still goes off, there's still be, there's still hogs out there. Let's ask this question. Does anybody have any trouble? Because with feral pigs on your hives? We've never asked that question. No, um, the only thing I've heard about, because they like to root around. Oh, yeah. And I don't know, though. I don't know. Oh, a pig will literally eat anything. I know you said skunks. Yeah, they the skunks there they, they them. trick them. Yeah. Uh, the my son on the the tree that they're going in right at the base. Yeah. He says, "Dad, there's been something scratching around that tree because it's got all the leaves pulled off and they dug the hole out." I said, "Yeah, it's skunk." Skunk, probably. Uh, so John says that they'll get down there and scratch, and then when the guardian bee comes out, the guard bee comes out, it eats it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. Yeah. Think hey, you it know, tastes like honey? Uh, no, I think it tastes like a bee. <laughs> probably bee and it tastes like bee in the mouth. Bee too. poop and pollen. Yep. Um, they okay. do sting you when you. Yeah, that does happen too. My dog can attest to that. You bite a bee, the bee stings you. <laughs> and the dog don't mess with oh, them. No, no more. he does actually. He's really? got this dumb mentality in his head that. He, he used to see the bees when he was a pup. He would lay out by the pond before mm. the bees got there, and he would bite at flies and bite at June mm. bugs because it was fun. The bees showed up, and then he started doing this. A bee flies by. He bites the bee, thinking it's a fly, and mm-hmm. it's fun. The bee stings him, mm-hmm. and he gets this mentality of, I hate those damn things. They sting me, so I'm going to bite them. And I'm like, dude, they're stinging you because you're biting them. Stop. Um, so now, like even at home, he'll be out in the backyard, and if a bee flies by him, you'll see him. Like, he tenses up, and he looks at it, and I'm like, don't you even think about it. You go lay down by the door, because <laughs> as soon as he bites that one, there goes the pheromone, and then everybody yeah. gets stung. And I'm like, damn it, <laughs> leave him alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, an odd note, too, though, something that most people wouldn't necessarily think about, and something that we talked about briefly mm-hmm. on Untamed Heritage, though, we actually have bears here in Texas. Oh, we do. I yes. mean, Texas is massively huge, and you wouldn't it, think that that would be a case, but, you know, over by, like, what, say, Big Ben? Yeah. there's bears. They come up in through Mexico oh, yeah. and they start kind of spreading out through the state and you can run into a bear in Texas. You can run mm-hmm. into a lot of things in Texas. Yep, no kangaroos. No kangaroos. Unless they're Actually, that's not true. I have yeah, seen a guy with a kangaroo in a pouch. Yeah, I know. It was... Uh, and we got monitor lizards here too. <laughs> we have all kinds. That's because we keep bringing <laughs> things in. Look, this is cute. Oh, yeah. wait, it got too big or it's Five mean. Five foot monitor it lizard got loose in Williamson County. People said, where's Williamson County? It's in Texas. That's all I'll tell you. <laughs> there's, there's another podcast that I listen to that, that has nothing to do with anything like this, but they, they mention Texas every so often. And this last one, she was like, I don't know. It's in Texas. Apparently, it's big. <laughs> I was like, apparently, it's big. It's freaking huge. <laughs> yeah, they're saying, it, don't worry. But it could be a danger to small children and pets. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry, <laughs> It's though. not a problem. No. It might eat your animals yeah. and small kids, but okay. other than that, it's fine. Monitor lizards. Well, there you go. Next up on the Hive Jive, <laughs> keeping your reptiles. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, I think uh, I think we've done enough damage for one day. Pretty much. <laughs> or one week at least. <laughs> hey, folks, you know, we have fun doing this. And y'all are the reason that we do this. Yeah, I do it because I talk to John. I'll find out what I need to know from John. And uh, what am I getting my other top bar? Have you built your other top bar? I got the wood. Uh huh. See, well, I've got. See, I, got I can everything. turn that around. Two can play that game. Ken, okay. have you built your top bar? Not yet. 
I've got everything there and haven't done it yet. Yeah, well, I understand that. I've got three I, of them. I do. I got it's about that long. <laughs> That's the little one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could bring it up there and put it in the little one. That's fine. They, I mean, they're this late in the year to have a, a nuke that size. You kind of might want that smaller space anyway. Mm-hmm. I say it's late in the year. It's halfway through for us. You could still do it, but we do have we have a couple of them that are getting close to mm-hmm. being ready that we okay. could. I have the hiccups. Do I need bait too? No, no, no. Just the one. Oh, you got one. You got another. That other nuke sold. No, it's just gonna stay at the apiary where I know it'll survive. Oh, it's your nuke. Yeah. Oh, you ain't gonna sell it. Well, I will eventually. Oh, okay. But I I, I prefer to sell them when I know that you know things are gonna go. Well, you think gonna I'm gonna survive. kill it? No, I just don't oh. know how the season's going to be. You know, I, I pride myself in if you buy bees from me, I mean, they, they last instead of like, oh, I got them and three months later they died or didn't make it through the winter. That's true. Yeah. And it gets cold up where I'm at. It's colder. It'll be five to six to ten degrees cooler up there than it is here. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's see. why we have better hives or better better bee fodder. You have more flowers, yeah. You actually get the stratification that some of those require for the seeds to germinate. I just, oh, on YouTube, my son brought me a deal. He says, Dad, we're going to plant, we're going to plant Harry Vetch. Do you know what Harry Vetch is? Mm-hmm. There's a place up in Oklahoma, apparently had a big field of Harry Vetch, and they had a bee, some bees there. That honey's the prettiest stuff I've ever seen. Yeah, it but is what does clear it taste like? water. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Harry Vetch is very high in protein because deer love it. I mean, deer dearly love it. Now, that would express itself in the pollen, not mm-hmm. the nectar, though. Mm. But, I mean, there, there's no telling. They, no I have way. no idea what that would end up no looking way. like. Well, I know where I'm at. I got horse mint. Lots of horse mint. <laughs> lots of horse mint. So I'm going to have some really good honey. It'll have a nice zing to it for yeah. sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okie dokie. What else we got to talk about? I think that's it. So, uh don't don't get overly impatient on your harvest. If it's not time to harvest, don't harvest yet. Pay mind to your area and to the summer dearth. The summer dearth is coming up for us. It starts when the temperatures hit 100 degrees and stay there. And, and that's literally no joke. So down here in Central Texas, it's usually right around the first part of July. We have a heat wave that hits and it stays. And we have about 30 to 40 days straight of 100 plus. That's not heat index. That's actual temperature. 100 plus degrees and there is zero rain. When that happens, the flowers stop producing, then they Pretty die much. out, and mm-hmm. by August, um, nothing grows, the asphalt melts, <laughs> that's yep. all there is. So that is what the summer dearth looks like. In your area, the summer dearth may actually just be that everything's tapering off and there's not any more flowers out there producing nectar, but it, you may not necessarily have that heat wave associated. So pay attention to your bees, keep a good idea when you look at your colony. If you do your inspection today and you've got five frames or five bars of capped honey and a couple bars of open liquid and the next time you do your inspection that open liquid has been capped then they're still going through and bringing stuff in or they're Mm -hmm. still working and it's good but if you look and you had your five bars of capped and your two open liquid and those two open liquid are now empty and then the next time you go look you've only got three bars of capped and the others have been opened up your bees need food and they're burning through the resources start feeding them and start off slowly. You don't want to feed them so much that they actually take up all the space and the queen has nowhere to lay. So try to stick with that one quart every three days maximum, maximum two quarts a week most. 
that gives them enough time to take it in, process it, eat it if they need it, store it if they need it, but not to fill up every cell with liquid, because if they do, the queen can't lay. And you want to keep her stimulated, keep her laying, keep your colony big and strong and healthy. Provide them a pollen source. If there's no flowers growing, that means there's no pollen for the bees, and they need the pollen to raise the brood. So put your dry pollen substitutes out somewhere where the bees can access it, bring that in if they need it. Um, just be mindful of those things. And we'll talk about this again. So since how we're doing episodes every week, we will absolutely come back and we'll touch on this as the dearth really starts moving and starts kind of getting in there, um, giving you guys some more pointers on what to do. Idea. If you start putting honey, cinnamon out where the bees to get it, would they have cinnamon honey? <laughs> no. Oh, no? No. How about watermelons? We've got no. lots of watermelons right now. They would pollinate watermelons. Watermelon honey? They pollinate watermelons. Well, so technically, yeah, yes. Also, if you cut them open, they'll... They'll they will take water. yeah they'll, they'll, they'll get take all water the, the sugar out of that watermelon yep. and the fluid yeah if there's not yep. anything else out there for them yep for sure you always your wheels are always turning scheming on things oh yes <laughs> well I'm just thinking just thinking just thinking there you go guys there you are not a ten minute episode congratulations <laughs> thank y'all very much for for listening and uh, next time I'll be awake. I don't know about that. Uh, probably not. We'll see. <laughs> hey, family, thank y'all. Thank you, guys. Check us out on Instagram, at The Hive Jive, Facebook at The Hive Jive. You can send your questions into info at thehivejive.com, and you can find us, obviously, on any of those podcasting platforms. If it gives you the option to rate, review, and subscribe, please do so. Um, if you cannot find that on the podcast app you're listening to, that is okay. You can still go through, leave comments, and uh, at the very least, subscribe so you know when a new one comes out. When are they going to tell? When are you going to post the Untamed Heritage with you in it? Uh, I don't know what episode that is. Okay. Um, but so Untamed Heritage, we did mention that on the podcast prior to the last mm -hmm. one, I think. But Untamed Heritage is Larry Weishan and Ken Milam, and they go through mm -hmm. and they tell stories about hunting and fishing and mm -hmm. safety in the great outdoors. And we did an episode that was all about bees. Mm -hmm. And I want to say it is like seven in or something like that. And right now we're they're getting ready to release episode number four. Yeah. So it'll it'll be a little while on that one because that one right now is uh, audio episodes for the podcast are every other week. So it'll it'll be a bit, but we'll we'll mention that again when it comes up. Uh, well, the best part I liked about it is how they keep the elephants out of the gardens. That's with right. Bees. That's right. That's all. That's that's, that's a your teaser. Tease. That's your tease. <laughs> Bye, guys. It's time for our guys to buzz off. But don't fret, the Hive Jive journey continues with new episodes on the first and third Mondays every month. Until then, you can follow along with the guys on Facebook and Instagram at The Hive Jive. Thanks for listening, and be safe out there. <laughs>